Welcome everybody to Retro Encounter 2-1. I am here still. Steven Meyering, Talos on the boards. We were discussing last night whether or not I would appear and due to a series of, well, you could call it fortunate or unfortunate events depending on your perspective. I'm here. How's it going, everybody? Joining me today is, as last night, Josh Curry. Hey, everyone. Mike Salosi, a newcomer. Hey. And Peter Treisenberg. Woof. I mean, right. hi. So, Peter Doggenberg and Josh are old news. We don't care about them. They've been here, and I'm old, too. So, Mike Salosi, what are you so, here to play today? What are, we, what are we starting this month? Well, we started up playing Final Fantasy X, that uh, early PS2 classic that a lot of people really like and a lot of people really wish it had a real-world map. You know, that one. Yeah, polarizing. Well, you know yeah. what the features? Much laughter. Whether... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we couldn't make it five seconds in without commenting on that. You know, yeah. you know, Final Fantasy X is, you know, I started the series with basically seven, and I never played it before. And I feel like ever since seven, I got into the series, every time a game comes out, you get that group of jerk asses who are like, the series totally died after six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve. Uh, you know, so ten is, of course, when they really did start to change it up from the PlayStation 1 format. You know, you had no world map. You know, you don't have the ATV anymore. And so, you know, I... I'm sure you guys are with me on this, that, you know, on the internet you regularly read, like, 10 is where the series died, the characters are terrible, Titus sucks, the battle system is crap. You know what's also almost as controversial as the world map is how you actually pronounce the main character's name. We, because, <laughs> we, did we have, did, have we already had this discussion? We had this discussion last night, it was actually oh, our last conversation, because I am... No. I'm pretty I'm sure a, Steven said he was going to murder somebody if they pronounced it wrong. Well, I changed his name online to a very inappropriate word, so I, I, that's how I solved that problem. But you're going to spend hundreds of hours now playing with penis or whatever you called him. Yeah, I kind of want to know what you called no, him. No, it's. Now. Or I'll you, type you it in the Skype window. Just, no, I, the way, this is unsent. Oh. No, yeah. Only, <laughs> no, 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 I, can't we, say, I can't say that was the word. We're, we're PC-13. Uh, we, we only get one bad word, so you need to save it for maximum impact, and I don't and, know that right. this particular one is worth it. Yeah, well, Not I'm, that I'm, I'm down just, in the game. And also, it's me on the podcast, which means I'll probably use up all the ones that we have. You did last night. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just renaming everything that I'm allowed to rename. I'm renaming something ridiculous just because I, I don't know. Like, uh, I... I I mostly remember Final Fantasy X. I played it about 10, 11, 12 years ago when it was a couple years old. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, 10, 11, 12 years ago, it was a couple years old. <laughs> so, okay, the, the, the answer to that math problem is that this game came out 14 years ago. Wow. And, and that sounds crazy, and that we would even call it a retro game, but it's 14 years old, which means there's more time in between FF10 and Chrono Trigger than... FF10 to present. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, it doesn't. Ten came out half my life ago. So if you don't think it's retro, shut up and deal with it. I was I was yep. in second grade reading the strategy guide at my local elementary school. I was in yeah, sixth grade was... math. I don't know I, where I was. Let's see. I I think I was a freshman in high school when it came out. Yeah, I was somewhere in middle school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things. It doesn't feel old, and, and I, I'm playing on the PS4 version, so having it in HD, it doesn't look old. Yeah, um, they, but Square Enix does a lot of work on their HD releases. I really have some some respect for the amount of time they put into them. It's not just like, hey, we upresed it. Like that yeah, they, they Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> well, that one that one's a different game. No. <laughs> no, but um, you're right about that. They actually changed some character models and like adjusted some details on I think Oron's robe, like he, his sling is a little different or something. And everything, 
it doesn't look like really janky. Like uh, I remember you were discussing several episodes of Random Encounter ago, how on the uh, Type Zero, um, like HD version, they had clearly not resed up some backgrounds. Oh yeah, they were like but, uh, eight bit bitmaps. Yeah, they're they're like really bad textures in some things, and uh, but and the models looked okay, not great. Here, everything looks really good, and yeah. I mean part of, part of that it was that it looks good. 14 years ago on the PS2, but they did put some effort into this remake. It's impressive. Yeah, the, the art style is sublime, and that's really, I think that's a big part of why it's held up so well. Absolutely. Well, because, you know, you, we said it sort of glibly, but, like, FF7, like, even if he did an HD release of the original version, like, you only have so much to work with there, you know? Like, if you added some additional yeah, polygons God, to three polygons, now you have six. <laughs> Everyone looks like a super awkward triangle in that game. And and don't like, get uh, me wrong, that's charming in its own way, but... Well, and it, honestly, like, mid-90s polygons have not aged super great, especially when you compare them to mid-90s sprites that look that still look all right, surprisingly, to well, this day. It's like, what is that? That It's like an image that goes around, like, Imager and, like, Tumblr. It's a picture of Rhinoa saying to Squall, you're the, you're the cutest-looking guy at the party. You know, the best-looking guy here. And then it zooms in on his face, and it's like a, a disaster of pixels. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, maybe, you know, so... I don't think any of us here is playing the original version of Final Fantasy X, the PS2, and I think everyone here is playing some form of the HD edition. So maybe I'm we could talk about HD what version we're each playing. Mike, you sure. go for it. Okay, I'm playing the HD version on PS3. Uh, I wish there was an option to switch to old PS2 audio just so I could compare, but uh, otherwise I, it looks and sounds great so far. And then uh, Josh? Um, I have the PS4 version. I played the first half an hour on that, uh, but for the most part, I've been playing on the Vita. I think over the course of the month, I'll be jumping back and forth between the two. Because of the glory of cross-save, which we should talk about. Which is fantastic. It, it is. is the best thing in the world. Multi, the gaming going more, like, easily cross-platform in this last generation is, like, my favorite thing. But side, just complete other thing. It really pissed me off that I've now bought this game for Vita PS3 and PS4. <laughs> I should have been able to buy it in one place and be, at least get, like, the Vita version for free. Yeah, well, you know, because a lot of places do do cross-buy, and, you know, it's sort That's of a true. bummer that, in the case of Square Enix, there could be people who have triple-dipped. Like, I mean, I, I already have the PS3 and the Vita version because my roommate bought the Vita one, so I got lucky and got one of them free. But if I buy the PS4 one, that'll be every PlayStation console other than PS1 and PSP that I've bought FF10 on. So I literally have four versions of this, and I actually have them sitting on the shelf next to each other just to, like, mock me. Because <sighs> I have to put them in alphabetical order, and then I also have to feel real shame that I've bought this multiple times. Hey, it's you know what, though? I, I honestly, this is a game I don't, you know, not, not from a, a financial standpoint, but it's not one that I mind buying multiple times. Although, I did forget. Peter, uh, what platform are you playing it on? Um, I was playing it on the PS4, but I stopped due to reasons. So now I'm playing <laughs> okay. it on PS3. And what are those reasons? Because I think, I, I, I'm not sure that everyone's aware of this, because Josh said he wasn't aware uh, of this at all. Uh, uh, the PS4 one up front sounds like the best version, because you get the you get further visual enhancements and both soundtracks. It, but it there's does. a major issue, isn't there? The, the PS4 is easily the best-looking version of the game, and it includes the option to switch between the new soundtrack and the original PS2 awesome. soundtrack, which is which is great. I love that option. But somewhere down the line, I don't know how this happened, they broke the random number generator that determines random battles in this game. So every time you play the every time you play the game, battles will 
will take place with the same enemy encounters, the same um, actions will happen in battle, same loot drops. It's 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 a weird mess. Wow. And there's glitchy audio too. So um, I hate to jump ahead a little bit, but there's late game quests where you try to defeat certain numbers of monsters in each region. So that that might be impossible with that kind of glitch in place. Yeah, I know. And also, this is funny, but um, so, someone on Twitter actually tweeted a picture of this where um, she was fighting a random battle and the game randomly gave her the trophy for beating um, Penance. <laughs> She's okay, like, yeah, I is, totally did that. Which is a super boss from like hour 85 and not the very beginning of the game. So what I just heard is I should be playing this on PS4 so I can get my platinum trophy. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to do it. You know, what? and what's funny too is like, there are these small things in these HD releases that really sort of frustrate me. Like Kingdom Hearts 2.5, by all accounts, is the best version of the game, except that because of how slow a Blu-ray drive reads, drive transformations and summons are have lag to them, and uh, like load times are longer. So there are certain bosses that like have a timer late game in, in KH 2.5, right. where like you have to defeat an enemy a certain number of times or you die instantly, that are made harder because of you know, they won't let you install it to the hard drive, which I feel like would be the fastest way to solve the problem, but the game's not available digitally either for whatever reason, I'm guessing copyright with Disney. So it's sort of a shame that like ever, that there's this caveat in what should be the best version of the game, because, you know, maybe for the casual player or the person who's just playing through the storyline, that's no big deal, but for folks like Josh and myself who can't touch an RPG without doing literally everything, you know, that's going to cause problems in that late metagame, and that's... That is what has stopped me from buying it right away. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And also, I'm I'm really hoping they do a PS4 version. Really, really hoping. And they put. Of what? Well, I'm going back to Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Oh, okay. If okay. you if you want me to start talking about Kingdom Hearts, we can do the whole podcast no, on no, that. No, oh my no, goodness, good. Josh. <laughs> yes. I I also hope there's a PS4 that, collection of all of them. But we should talk about FF10, and we could talk about Kingdom Hearts at another date. If, I don't if think it makes... it's possible for Steven to go an entire podcast of anything without mentioning Kingdom Hearts. See, but I, you're not, you weren't here last night. I'm fine with us co- talking about Kingdom Hearts the whole time instead of Xenosaga. So, <laughs> I, I did bring up Xenosaga a lot. It's just the parallels made themselves apparent to me. Moving back, oh, boy. So, moving back a sec. It, if it makes you feel better, Josh, I'm looking at my like shelf now. I have four copies of Final Fantasy X and three copies of X2, if you count all the versions of the games that I own. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things that I... Uh, it might be a testament to Square slash Square Enix, like, whatever. Yeah, I think I've bought Final Fantasy IV six times, but yeah, keep going. Right, it's one of those things, like, I have multiple Chrono Triggers. I have oh, yeah. a trillion different Kingdom Hearts games. I have multiple Final Fantasy games. Well, just every time they do a re-release, you see just the whole internet bitches about it. They're, oh, they're selling it again. They're selling it like, again. You know what? They wouldn't if you didn't buy it. And that's the thing is, like, deep down it hurts my soul. Like, it, it's like, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm smarter than this. But I love these games. Yeah, yeah exactly. I do too. Like, I have, like, I know people get all up in arms about that, but, you know... It's like when they announced the God of War collection for PS4, and I made this point. It's like, oh, I can't believe they're re-releasing it. Don't buy it. Yep. Because well, was, uh, was like, it Capcom recently? They like were trying out the remasters and HD versions, and it sold so well. They're like, we're going to keep doing this. And everybody got really upset. But as soon as they announced their first one, everybody got super excited for it. Yeah. That's, and it, and that's it's, like, it's Capcom also... and Sega are doing that right now. And, and you know, people can be happier. The further point to make with it, too, is that, like, A, you have to look at it. A lot of people who had Xbox 360s and not PS3s now have PS4s. 
Yep. So there's a lot of people who didn't have the chance to play these games that want to buy it now. And then further, if you look at like the Chinese market, which is opening up now, PS4 is there. Like Square Enix is talking about how like there's not a lot of ways in China for people to play the classic Final Fantasies because of the, you know lack of the inability to get certain consoles. So they're like, yeah, we want to get these games on modern consoles too because a we know you want them despite the fact that you complain over and over again that you don't. And then the sales show that you do, but there's an audience that has never played them. And so I think people forget that with these HD releases that people do want these. You may not want it and the loud people on the internet may not want it, but myself and I'm sure some of you guys and a lot of people do. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm always yeah, those, going to be in favor of yeah, those, those loud people on the internet are probably like <laughs> total hypocrites that are buying them too. I, I have to think. There hasn't been a good Final Fantasy since four. I'm not buying this buys it. And the, exactly. They're basically complaining all the way to the game store and all I've, the way out of the game store. I, I, bought Lightning, I bought Lightning Returns just to confirm that the series hasn't been good since 6. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. You know, I, I, I wear my disdain openly for people who lie and say they don't care about Final Fantasy anymore because I think that they're full of crap. Well, I mean... I mean, there I, are people who don't like it, and I, I, I realize that's the thing, but I think we have a lot of people on our own message boards who are like, series has sucked forever. I'm well, curious I'm, about I'm, Final Fantasy 50. <laughs> I'm full of crap for a variety of reasons, but uh, it, like, it's true that my Final Fantasy fandom has diminished a lot over the years, because I'm one of those idiots that like loves the um, Super Nintendo and PS1 ones the most. But like, it's still such an important series, and probably the most visible JRPG series in the entire world. Yeah, so, you want it to be but, good. So, yeah, I want I want it to be good, and sometimes sometimes I like the newer ones, sometimes I don't. But it's it's an important series that I want to be good every time I try one. So I actually and, fall in yeah, the other uh, other realm. I actually, for me, they've gotten better over time. As you think so? Yeah, for you, me, you like twelve the best. So. so twelve twelve is my favorite Final Fantasy, and then like super caveats on all of this. Um, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X was my first Final Fantasy game. Um, I remember my grandmother was taking me to the store. I don't remember. We we're doing some stupid errands. We ended up at a Best Buy. I remember the game being like ninety bucks or hundred bucks. It was something outrageous. I don't. I, what? It was ridiculously expensive. That's all I remember. Because I remember having to convince her that I really wanted it because the cover looked so cool, and there was an X on it. I don't know. It's some stupid kid logic, right? And uh, I remember her arguing. It was like all the other games are like forty bucks or whatever. You can get three games, or we can get this one game. And I remember just like arguing with the argument there, and I got it, and I, I remember loving it. And that was like my introduction to the series, and that's where, like, so from there I've gone on. That's where I started jumping back, and I, I played four. Um, then I went to nine, kind of dabbled with seven. Yeah. Um, that's where I found tactics, and then 12 came out, and like I absolutely fell in love. Um, 13, I think, is like the coolest battle system ever. It's a really um, great turn-based system because a lot of turn-based systems have difficulty staying difficult. I think because of how linear 13 is, the combat ends up being really engaging, especially once it opens itself up, itself up yeah. fully. You know, it has its fair share of problems, but I also agree that 13 is sort of unfairly bashed. And I think part of that is just because people are so used to how good they generally are that 13 has sort of an identity crisis. And that's, like, development problems, but, like... And then, then for me, like fifteen, I like I have been dying for verses thirteen oh, forever. Same here, buddy. Me too. And so fifteen, like I, I can't even begin to describe how 
unbelievably excited I am. So for me, they've actually gotten better, which I think 4 is unbelievable, but a lot of the PS1 games, like I really liked 9, 7, and 8, I have never understood why anybody liked those games. <laughs> well, um, it's also, 7 is a little more dated, I think. Uh, you know, the, you look at Final Fantasy VI, that is the best possible polygonal stuff that the platform can do, along the same way that... Um, or the best sort of sprite work that Super Nintendo can do, 9 is the best polygonal stuff that the PlayStation 1 can do. So when you go backwards, the games do look a little pedestrian by comparison. Although I think that 7 and 8 still have great art design that shines through. Yeah, uh, and so, but for me, like, 10 is, like, there's, there's such a nostalgia value to me because this is my, like, introduction to an entire, almost genre in a lot of ways, but for sure, this whole series. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, personally, I started, my first JRPG was Final Fantasy IV, although at the time I thought it was called Final Fantasy II, and I remember playing that, and then shortly after playing that at a friend's house, FF6 came out, although I thought it was called FF3 at the time, <laughs> and and I sort starting from FF4 and 6, I sort of, like, would play most Square games within a year or two after they came out, and, I, and like, both for like forging what my taste became over the years, um, and for just being among my favorite games ever, the like Square's output in the '90s really made me the kind of gamer I am today. So at some level, I am one of those bitter fans that will never think there will be a Final Fantasy game as good as Six or Tactics. But I, I, I have come around in almost all of them. Like I think Final Fantasy X's great. I think Final Fantasy XII would be great if it was actually a finished game. 12 is the uh, best game ever. <laughs> That's an interesting thing. It sounds theory. like we may have to play 12 when that, com- when that HD release comes out on oh this show. Oh, God, please. Yes, I want it. Oh, okay, so that's good. That means we're never playing it. And <laughs> oh, I would not be surprised if Square Enix announces it at this year's E3. If, if we got already said Zodiac Job, If we got the 12 Zodiac Job System version in the United States, I would totally get it. Because that, uh, that game seems to make some fascinating it's, it's changes. A, it's a great... It's a great way of shoring up the game's weaknesses. You know, it's still not perfect, but it is the best version of that game. So yeah, I, even though, I mean, and also, it's weirdly weird that this to mention, I worked for an old-school Final Fantasy game website before joining RPG Fan. So, uh... I some of your yeah, work there, I think, if I recall, on your application. I think you linked to it, didn't you? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, and I, uh, uh, and there's... That place is still kicking around. It's one of the few video game websites older than RPG Fan on the internet. Um... RPG Fan is a new... Yeah, but the yeah, so I'm I have really an old school background with Final Fantasy games, and over the past ten years or so, I mean, I it, it took me that long to broaden my horizons in RPGs. Like I would only play Square crap until I had a PS2 and started playing other you know non-Square series, and uh, it was really eye-opening to be playing like all of these Atlas and Tales games for the first time and. And, and as I, my interest in other RPG, JRPGs was increasing, it felt like Square's output was not as strong as it was in that 90s. Because, like, in <laughs> Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, Super Mario RPG, and Secret of Mana all came out in the same 18 months. That's crazy. I think, you know? well, I think also, too, I mean, even, I, I still like Square a lot. I think they had a pretty rough last five years or so, but they've been really turning it around with their reputation. They have. They're they developers, have, so I think they're on the upswing again. But I do agree that, you know, you know, I started with 7, and so, like, I found Final Fantasy Tactics. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the tactics game was. I was just like, FF7 was amazing. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, this game is amazing, too. And, like, yep. 
you know, these are the games that made me buy consoles. I bought a PS1, well, for Resident Evil, but then FF7 came out and it was amazing. I bought a PS2 so I could play Final Fantasy X. Well, Final Fantasy X, Metal Gear 2, and Soul Reaver 2, but mostly for Final Fantasy X. And, you know, the, the thing about X, I think, is that it's like Seven, where this is the first time we've seen the series in this type of fidelity. Like, you know, 13 looks great now, and the series has this yeah. reputation for pushing the envelope, but, you know, the first several Final Fantasies were pretty humble-looking. Um, it wasn't probably until around Seven, you know, you could say Six, because Six had great sprite work, but, you know, Seven is the first one where they became known for their graphics, and when Ten came out, I mean, the CG cutscenes in Ten like, were so good that people, like, commented, like, how it made the in-game graphics look weird because like you know like they look a lot more japanese in the cg cutscenes than in game because they're like the fidelity is so much higher and like you know just think of i remember the first time i played 10 it was i was super looking forward to it my, i had a ps2 and like none of my friends did so like one of them got the demo disc that had 10 on it and was like gonna come over and i just remember like me and like three of my friends sitting in my room watching the intro where Titus is like sitting and I'm calling him Titus I don't care what it how it's pronounced in Japanese I know I speak Japanese but Tida is the wrong name uh that demo like where he's just sitting in the water and then Blitzball starts and Otherworld which while grading to me now was amazing at the time because I loved rock and roll music in middle school I was just like oh my god 10 is so amazing it's like next gen brah I know for sure um, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep mine my mine brief because we're gonna get into the game soon more, but maybe. um maybe possibly we can talk about thirteen some more. I can I can I can talk about that. I think we should talk about ten for now. I want to hear what you <laughs> what your introduction to ten is. Um, uh, so I I was I, I was an a Nintendo kid growing up, so I'm playing on my um my cousin's Super Nintendo, so Mario Kirby, um really into Pokemon when that was when that was becoming popular. And then I was, like I said earlier, I was in second grade and I saw they had the strategy guide for FF10. I saw this this dude standing up to his knees in water holding a sword that was also made of water. And I was like, that looks so cool. What is this? And I took it, I took, I borrowed it and took it home and read through the whole strategy guide without knowing anything about the game whatsoever. Just looking at the art and being like, this looks like the coolest thing ever. And then my friend owns. Yeah, I know, right? And my, my friend Scott had the game, so I, when I was at his house one time, he was playing it. He was stuck on the first um, Seymour fight where he summons Anima, and I watched that. I watched that fight, and it was just like my my like tiny little mind was blown because I had no idea that games could be that like dramatic, or that there was a giant mummified demon thing that was killing people on his screen. And I don't know. It made it made an impression, and then fast forward through several years of playing through most every game in the series thanks to that introduction to 10 and yeah here we here we are today talking about it on retro encounter well stated no yeah you know it's i i think 10 you know we talked about the polarizing reactions you know because 10 is the first one in a long time or ever i guess to not have a world map in terms of the numbered series but what I really like about Ten is just it, it has this really different sort of tack to its storyline where we, we talked about how like thematically, um, you know, like Trails in the Sky is like growing up in maturity and stuff, but Ten is very much like sacrifice. Like in some regard, everyone in Ten is making some sort of sacrifice for somebody else. Right. And I just feel like, you know, being the first we didn't we didn't talk about the elephant in the room. It's the first Final Fantasy with voice acting. You know, it's the first Final Fantasy to not have ATB since it was invented. Um, 
That voice acting makes such a big difference. Coming from Trails in the Sky, the first time I heard somebody actually speak, it, it was like blew my mind. It actually was perfect timing because in a lot of ways, that's how it was 14 years ago. It was like the first time that you got to hear the voice acting and everybody like went insane about it. And that's literally what I, I did when I first uh, started this up because I didn't, I wasn't used to hearing that after a month of Trails in the Sky. Yeah, you know, and even though you know, you could you could point out how it's sort of recorded in in tone with Japanese vocal mannerisms. I think it's still actually the the voice acting has aged fairly well for you know when it came. Like you know when when it came out, you had Metal Gear, which had great voice acting, and then you had the rest of the video game world basically, with with some exceptions, Legacy of Kane stuff like that. But like you know, we sort of take for granted now that having good voice acting is it is an expectation, and not every game does. But you know, like Ten did a pretty good job with it. And, you know, it's just all these changes to the series, but, and it has such this distinctive visual flair to it, like the, the ocean motif and, like, the scenes of, like, them in Lake Macalania or, you know, when Unit First does the sending dance. Like, those are iconic scenes that, like, have, you know, people, those are unforgettable to me. Like, I, I've played some games in, you know, modern, more modern games that, like, I can't remember what happened to them, and I liked them and beat them, like, a week ago. Whereas I remember, like, all these really specific story beats in 10 because of how distinctive narrative-wise and visually it was. And, of course, the amazing music. Yeah, and this is going to sound really stupid, and I kind of cringe already as I get ready to say this. But the intro movie came on, and it was almost that sense of coming home. Like, there no, was... I totally agree. It, the, the, it, like, it was amazing. I remember... This is how it usually works. I always watch that intro video when you first put a disc in. And then you press start, and whenever they play the same thing a second time, it always really irritates me. It did it this time. Did not care. I was just so happy to be playing this again. That's actually not to derail us, but that's how I feel when I play Kingdom Hearts. Um, but no, yeah, it's like, well, think about like FF8. FF8 has a different video before the intro than out of it. Like the intro is like all those like black and white shots of everybody with that cool song. But you're right. With this one, it's such a distinctive intro. Like one of my favorite in the series and so yeah absolutely i you know i didn't watch it twice but coming back to it definitely felt like i was coming back to my my childhood i uh i, I don't share quite your level of nostalgia for this game i mean i played the game once ages ago and didn't even do the end game content i think my clock was like 35 minutes 35 hours when i finished it but it, there's tremendous impact to the very beginning of final fantasy 10 it's like, especially since like, I don't think I'd ever seen water as beautifully animated at, uh, until seeing that uh, intro for the first time and the, uh, and how it balances color amazingly because in the first say two hours of the game, you have this crazy ethereal black and purple and blue Xanarkand. Then you have these gray dark ruins with, where that almost feels like a survival horror game when that giant fish is chasing you. And then you're on Besaid Island, which is this gorgeous, like sort of like Amazing beach and, and tropical landscape. I think, um, I, I don't think it was a random encounter. I think it was an episode of rhythm encounter, uh, last year where you did summer music ep episodes. Yep. And we played uh, yeah, the FF 10 HD Besaid Island. Yeah. Yeah, um, you, and you even said FF10 feels like a summer game. I think you said that about Chrono Cross as well. But, I uh, mean, just because it has that really bright, like, candy-colored palette in the early part of the game, and the music is so, is, is so you know, breezy and, um, 
and and not and not very melodramatic with the exception of a couple boss themes i guess but uh so yeah final fantasy 10 i don't share as quite as much nostalgia as you guys do like i i i was annoyed when the intro movie of the menu was the same as the intro for the for the beginning of the game but it's it has tremendous impact and the visuals are look were, were awesome 14 years ago and looked really nice cleaned up for the ps3 at least to me they're unbelievable on the ps4 the sending looks spectacular. Even Blitzball looked good, and I hate Blitzball. <laughs> Blitzball, I, I think, is going to be a fun topic in episode two. I yeah. barely played any. I barely played any bits uh, Blitzball the first time I played it, so I'm actually going to give Blitzball a fair shot this time. I, by the time we get have episode two ready, I'll have played some Blitzball. You're, was that you're a, a? You're a better man than I, Mike. Was that a Freudian <laughs> slip of bitchball? No, I think your ears just want to, to say Blitz, that. Blitzball? Look, I'm going to have to play Blitzball because I'm not playing this game without World Champion and Attack Reels because Waka needs to spin in a tornado and kill everything. Waka, Waka, Waka. Waka, Waka, Waka. Every time I hear Waka, I think of Pac-Man. It's a real good game, yeah? It's a good game, yeah? Everybody here got double constant aim, yeah? I mean, I think of Fozzie the Bear when I hear Waka, Waka, but whatever. It's it, Maybe I'm just older than all of you guys. Different strokes. This is a little detail about FF10 that I always like, and that I always notice every time in that tutorial section. That motion blur effect that you get when it's transitioning into a battle, I really like that. It's really I, cool looking. Yeah, and that was that was in like a lot of those PS2 era Square Enix games. Like it was in like it's around the Pyreflies when they die, and it's in Kingdom Hearts a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's just a nice, it's a nice little touch. It makes things I guess it just makes things seem that much more exciting. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's similar to what they did in even the older Final Fantasy games, except it just looks 20 times better. Yeah, than, I know, right? With this level of visuals. But even with um, <clears throat> the fish, when you're underwater, and it's swimming around in the circle, there, it makes the fights more dynamic. Oh, how yeah. about how freaking scary that giant skeleton fish thing is? Oh, I've God. That guy that comes back to be a boss like, later. Yeah, I mentioned a minute ago that it's, it almost feels like a survival horror game during that section. But yeah, that thing's terrifying. I was like, because I, 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 I mentioned it's been like 10 years since I played the game. So at the very beginning during that cutscene, I'm like, does Titus have like one leg the rest of the game? I, I don't know. Because <laughs> he's wearing pants that look like should only have one leg. So yeah, let's um, not get into character oh, and clothes. Oh, maybe that's for the rest of his pants. <laughs> Well, we could just beat that dead horse that died in 2002 by just complaining about voice work and clothes the whole time. Like how the character with the highest evade in the game is wearing a dress made of belts and high heels. Because that makes sense. It's because she's a baller. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> dress dress, dress, uh, dress made something. of belts. Not very, not very defensible. And... Oh, and <laughs> God, this... <laughs> Also, um, now, now that it's now that I've played Dragon Age Origins like three times the past five years, Lulu looks a lot like Morgan. She does. Just, she uh, does. just in like her hair and makeup. In all fairness, Morgan looks like Lulu. Yeah. And in all fairness, both of them look like Claudia Black anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with that. No, no, not <laughs> at all. Now I just wish that uh, Lulu that had make... an Australian accent. <laughs> does that make Alistair um, Waka? 
if we're making Dragon Age comparisons. Yeah, well, man, I'm gonna no. chop the dragon's head off, man. Then I'm gonna kill no, Logan that... and fight the fight the fiend. Yeah. No, that makes Waka Bender bending Rodriguez <laughs> and Marcus Phoenix. Hey, baby, wanna kill all humans? Uh, kill all the humans. Oh, Bender, you didn't sleep with the Crushinator, did you? Nah, man. You gotta romance a lady that fine. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I, like I, I think I did a double take several years ago when I first understood that Waka was voiced by John DiMaggio. Yeah, I did That's... not realize it until my roommate started playing the game like three months ago. And he was like, yeah, John DiMaggio is Waka. And I'm like, what? I don't remember when I learned that, but it was several years ago and it took me at least a month just to process that. That was one of my favorite stages in life, like playing games, when I realized that like voice actors legitimately bounce from game to game. Yep. Yeah, and there's only like 25 of them to do every single game. Right, and then all of a sudden it's like... And Yuri Lowenthal. Yeah, you, all of a sudden you're just like... And I, Steve Bloom. I can pick right. out all these people. Like, I know who these people are. And like, Yeah. It's like watching any anime today. Bryce Pappenbrook is in everything. Hey, baby. Want to kill all out bed? Whoa, calm down, oh, Walker. Is Bryce Pappenbrook the uh, successor to the um, Nolan North, Troy Baker, leading man of the moment um, award? <laughs> um, at the very least, he plays the main characters in Blue Exorcist, Sword Art Online, and Attack on Titan, so he's getting Okay, there. no, no, no he'll be, so he'll be Troy Baker's successor in six months, I dig it, sure. Okay, okay. cool. Uh, I'm still, uh, total aside, I still think it's hysterical that they made Troy Baker uh, Nolan North's brother in the new Arch in the new Uncharted game. It's That's fantastic. Just, I think it's fantastic, because I'm not tired of either of them, and now it's going to be amazing. I'm not, I'm not tired of either of them either, but I, it just feels like that <laughs> Naughty Dog sort of got the joke and just decided to let that happen. It's great. Well, they're absolutely. also, they're so talented. They're yeah. ridiculously good. Like, yeah, like, like, that, like Nolan North voices Deadpool in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. He sounds like a psychopath. He does Penguin. Yeah. <laughs> Troy Baker does Two-Face and Joker. And then, you know, like, in the year he was in, like, uh, The Last of Us and uh, Bioshock and one other game that I think <laughs> sucked. And it's like, he sounded different in all of them. Like, he's they have range. They're really great. They're not yeah, used because yeah, they're crazy. crappy. The only and bad thing about when Nolan North was doing, like, he was in almost every game is everybody wanted to be Uncharted, so they made him do his Uncharted voice. And, and now, <laughs> once we've moved past like, that... He doesn't sound like Drake when he's Ezio Auditore, but... Uh, whatever. That's neither here nor there. We have the main character of Final Fantasy X, who is also Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank, <laughs> and every like the same thirty voice actors are used in every video game, and it's sort of fun just following who does what. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Should we talk about Final Fantasy X again? Yeah, we could start trying to. It's well, right I think there on the other end, though, podcast. too, you know, we're we're all just getting started. There's not a whole lot to discuss yet. I guess maybe we could talk about, like, what your expectations are for the game, because we've all played it. So, like, for me, it comes down to, you know, I have not played 10 since it was on PS2. Uh, you know, I, I, I've played a little bit of it here and there. Um, but, like, I remember a lot of the scenes, but I don't remember some of the specifics. And I'm, I'm excited to sort of re-experience the game with having played a zillion games since then, knowing that it's basically the template for every other PS2 RPG that came out afterwards. And, like, still further, like, you know, the, the arc of, like, 7, 8, 9, 10 has defined turn-based JRPGs to this day. So it'll be cool to sort of play one of the originals again. So I have, like, a small question. Cause I, so, <clears throat> full disclosure again, I never beat Final Fantasy X. Um, what? Yeah. So... Whatever. 
Um, but uh, the best endings in the series. Yeah, I know how it ends, but whatever. They they retcon that, so let's not talk about that. I'll get angry. We don't talk. We don't talk about ten too. Yeah, maybe we should save that for episode three or episode two dash three. Our poignant perfect ending that we decided to backpedal on for fan service. Yeah. So my question is with the Elbed primers with the alphabet and whatnot. Right. Um, since you can load in your like previous saves, dictionaries and whatnot, um, if you've gone through and you've collected all of those, like when Titus is so confused with the conversation when he first comes across them, can he understand them then, or can only you as the reader understand? Um, only um, you as the you. reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't change any of Titus's reactions, but you can see what they're saying. It'll be in a different color of text to indicate that it's Albed that's been translated. But it's even weirder if you got something like i don't know 20 out of the 26 primers then the uh some of the letters will remain untranslated so you might have to do a little bit of decoding as the reader so so what's the purpose of it then just curiosity's sake it's like playing eco the second time and being able to understand uh yorda i know so one of the things this is one of the most like i think successful moments in gaming for me at least and to do another tangent was Uncharted 2, when you first uh, are in the Himalayas with, uh, I'm gonna blank out his name, but Tenzin? yeah, Tenzin. Yeah. And he never like you. The two of you can't understand, but even though you can't understand, you can understand him. Yeah, that whole ice dungeon that you do with him is amazing because, like, in part because of the communication barrier and like how you have to sort of figure out this complicated double-sided dungeon with someone that doesn't speak the same language as you. Right. And uh. In, in FF10, I think that just sort of um, puts a little, even hits the point a little bit harder that Titus is a stranger in a strange land. He's getting shoved around. He doesn't understand any of the any of the customs and some of the language. And so, at, at, so a lot of it's strange and confusing to him, especially the religion that he is has no knowledge of and what the hell sin is. But he's has a convenient excuse. So. <laughs> So exactly, and for me, that I think that would actually ruin some of those moments for me if you could actually understand what they're saying. Well, that's because that's, I mean, sure, but that's why you can only do understand it on a second or third playthrough. Yeah, exactly. Like that's it's more of a, a curiosity it's, thing rather than a like look at how it's changing. Moment. And I think I think you can actually miss the the little the place you have to go to import the Albed primers if you just skip straight through that like oh. first section. That's yeah, or true. You, or you can choose not to import them. Yeah, that's true. Good points. But, well done. But also, uh, one other thing that I guess I just thought of, uh, it's how weird is it for Titus that he doesn't understand so many things, uh, has all this crazy crap happening to him at once, but he still notices like similarities to his life. How they, like how the the praise be to Yevon prayer is the victory sign for blitzball teams. That's awesome. And and how uh, and he he just notices similarities to his world, and he assumes that he's been flung into the far future. I, I mean, we all know exactly what's happened, but we're not going to say anything. And it's really smart how they integrate like little details that Titus that are familiar to Titus while the while there's a bunch of unanswered questions that he has and how they basically the the balance of how of when they open and close plot doors in Final Fantasy X is really impressive. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's it's actually sort of I, I agree with you on that point and like 
you know, they're like the Spoonie experiment or whatever, and all these videos that sort of rip 10 for like all these nitpicky type things. And yeah, if you want to nitpick the storyline, you're going to find holes. But that sort of misses the forest for the trees, I think, in that how how much care has gone into 10 storyline and that like there are a lot of small details that make this a really compelling story. Like, you know, like all like you said, all the similarities between what Titus believes is real Xanarkand versus like Xanarkand one year in Spira and just all these little parallels and things like that. And like how his journey sort of parallels his father's journey, despite the fact that he hates his father. And like, you know, it's all these really cool details that I whenever I read one of those things, it's like, this is why FF10 actually sucks. And I'm like, no, this is why you actually suck. Shut your face. And you know what I always thought was a really strange decision? Uh, I say decision, basically a really strange thing that the sto- that the writers did for this game that in retrospect I think is totally brilliant is how when you meet up with Oren again at the end of, I think it's at the end of the Lucas stuff, I'm actually not there yet in the game in this current playthrough, is when he, like a minute after uh, Oren and Titus start talking again, he just goes, oh, Sin is jacked. And Titus is like, what the F? And it's, and it's it's not explained. It's <laughs> like no no one in the party seems to think that. But Oren just decides to do this huge plot bomb that doesn't get resolved for until near the end of the game, and it just throws both Titus and the player into a into confusion. And it, that's just one of the things that doesn't get resolved until way later. It's really it's amazing that they would have such a confusing. A uh, plot point that ultimately resolves in an interesting way. It's it's crazy. Like I I I'm amazed that they did it, and it's a really cool touch. I think they threw you off balance with that with that reveal because it doesn't make any sense when Oren tells you Sin is jacked. Absolutely, no, I agree. Like the, the pacing of the of the plot is very good. Yeah, yeah. their clothes are all still ridiculous though. <laughs> Lulu wears a dress made of belts. I think we agree on that. I mean, Yuna's is okay. She's wearing a kimono. Yeah, it's basically like a shrine maiden costume, I think, with a lot of extra ribbons attached. Titus but... at least looks like he's wearing garb appropriate for what he was doing at the beginning of the game. That he continues to wear it is what the problem is. Yeah, why does he ever change that's clothes? That's supposed to be a sports other... uniform? Yeah, it's a, it's a blitzball uniform. That's why Waka's it... is similar in some ways. Although, again, that begs the question of why Waka continues to wear a blitzball uniform on a pilgrimage, which will involve death. Well, I mean, Waka is using a Blitzball for the entire journey. That's true. So Waka's an idiot. A Blitzball that can turn you to stone, so, I mean... But, like, you know, Waka... It's it's a little early, maybe, to talk about it, so I won't go too far in depth, but, like, some of the things they do with the characters are also really interesting. Like, you know, the other Final Fantasies have their fair share of, of, of dark plot lines. You know, like, Cyan is sort of religious, and, like, there's the poisoning of the river, and, you know... Yeah, no, Cyan, Cyan's arc is incredibly tragic. But, like, if you think about who Waka is as a character, his growth is really cool, because Waka is a freaking racist, like an open racist that is like sort of not apologetic for it and uh like that's a really interesting arc that i think you know not a lot of japanese rpgs really tackle one of your characters being a racist it's like you know that that guy's bad he hates elves and but you know waka being with you is like you're like sort of forced to confront this flaw he has yeah if anything i mean final fantasy 10 is almost like a buildings roman for waka because he is a um he's devoutly religious religious and racist towards albed and has these sort of deep-seated cultural opinions and they all get shaken in the last quarter of the game yeah and uh so it's really interesting how everyone reacts to this and also i I think it's a little funny that 
he just does all these very uh, <laughs> religiously inappropriate things that people just seem to brush off easily because he had some sin toxin. But uh, I'm just amused by that, I guess. But I, I love those when they're just like, what? And he's like, oh, sin, toxin. Yeah, I got too close. Everybody's just like perfectly okay with that. He's like, sorry, I'm an idiot. It's awfully convenient. My bad. And uh, I, I want to talk about now the thing that I was sort of most impressed by FF10 that I basically remembered from when I played it ages ago, but was a really pleasant surprise on how fast moving the combat is. Because it's super easy to switch characters in and out and uh, get like your entire party taking part in these uh, in in battles, and it's faster than switching a, than changing a Pokemon or changing a Persona in a Pokemon or Persona game. It's great. Yeah, you know the thing is, it's not ATB anymore. But I would actually argue that it's faster than some of the games with ATB. Certainly, like I love FF9, but that game's battles take forever, and like, you know, you have no ATB in this, but it's like swap a character, boom, done. Attack, boom, done. You know, you get the short summons. You know, it's very, it's quick. It's sort of like a Shin Megami Tensei game where like, you know, yes, it's turn-based, but these these turns are resolving very quickly. I like that there's not uh, a punishment for switching players out too. Yeah, in fact, it's almost encouraged, you know, like that that makes for some really cool, compelling strategy, like, uh, you know, much like 13, where it's like, you know, there's more strategy than just, I have to use my most powerful attack. It's like, oh, I need to use Waka because he can hit the enemy from far away, or I need Orin because he can break the enemy's armor. You know, right. la- later that changes when you, you know, get overpowered. But it's really, like, if you stick to that arc, it's a really compelling progression of combat. And in a way, that's, the only disappointing part of that is, at least if you're playing the old Spear, uh, the old Sphere Grid system, it, it, I think a lot of FF10 players totally ignore Kamari because he doesn't have an obvious strength that the other, and it'll have you use everyone but him. I've heard that from a ton of different players of the game and not just me, but yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm, that's how I felt about him too. He's, he's quite weak. If you use the original sphere grid. So yeah, I have, I'm really impressed. Chump. I'm really impressed at how quick and modern the uh, battle system feels and the, and, and like you mentioned this earlier, Stephen, but there's a, uh, like none of the animations feel overly long or cumbersome unless you, except for maybe the Aeon summons and you can turn that into quick animation if you want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think maybe we could start winding up uh, for this one and actually, you know, get to playing some more of the game before we get to our middle episode. But uh, so I want to I want to end with one last question. I think this will be interesting for the listeners, too, because, uh, you know, we want to hear, you know, hop on the board and tell us what you're going to be doing. But uh, with the new HD version, if you're playing that, you have the option of using the international sphere grid, the expert one or the original sphere grid. And having, you know, no experience with FF10 International, I went with the expert sphere grid, sphere grid. Uh, mostly because I do sort of want to make... Spear Grid sounds so much cooler than Spear Grid. I said Spear Grid because I had a Freudian slip because I'm actually going to use Kimari because I never used him before because he was terrible. And I'm, I'm going to try to I'm gonna try to make the big blue teddy bear, as Josh called him last night, <laughs> uh, a, a viable member here. Wait, I'm also going to use Persona... Riku. I never used Riku ever. Uh, and I'm going to try to make Persona her... playing Persona 4? I big wish. Big blue teddy bear? Teddy would be awesome. Teddy would be awesome in every context. Teddy always wins. So, uh, Josh, which uh, which grid are you using? So I use the standard um, for a couple reasons. First, I hate Kamari. You, you shouldn't bring a blue bear on a quest. And then uh, number Teddy's two, blue. like you just said, you like Teddy. He's blue. Teddy's whitish, and his head zips off, and there's nothing Teddy's inside. Teddy's blue. Teddy's he's not, blue. He's not even really a bear. He's, I think you're backpedaling here. He's uh, a zippered nothingness. Teddy is totally a blue bear, like. 
even more so than Kamari is. But yeah, continue with your lies. Continue <laughs> with your lies, yes. Um, and then uh, most important, like I said before, I haven't actually beaten it. I kind of uh, got to a point at the end that I kind of I felt hopeless um, that I couldn't progress from where I was, and that's I remember that, and that was ultimately why I stopped. Um, and so, kind of to further complicate the leveling process with the expert sphere grid, it just seemed like a bad choice. Um, so that's that I decided to go with the standard. I figured it'd just be easier. Excellent. And uh, Peter, what, which one are you using? Um, I'm using the expert grid for this run because um, I haven't done it before. So I was I thought that would be a nice way to change things up. Plus, I, I wanted to experiment to see with like how if I can build char characters beyond their parameters from the original sphere grid. Yeah, make Titus super magical. Yeah, or something like that. But give 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 Lulu turn Lulu into a tank. I don't know. I'll figure something out. Tank Lulu would be awesome. Just bludgeons people to death with her mod doll. It's <laughs> awesome. And uh, Mike, which one are you using? I'm using the expert sphere grid. I mean, I, I in general, I'm going to try and make this a different experience than the first time I played Final Fantasy X. So I'm going to I'm going to use the expert sphere grid. I'm going to try to use all the characters instead of just Titus, Oran, and Yuna. And I like I did basically no side quests when I played this game. I didn't get any celestial weapons. I barely did any of the uh, Calm Lands monster stuff. So I'm going to try and actually do some of that and use all the characters and experiment with this new spear grid. Sp spear grid. Now I can't unsay that. <laughs> yeah, uh, from henceforth we shall call it the spear grid. Spear Because it's, spear. it's all about Kimari all the time, except in Josh's case where it's never about Kimari anytime. No, you just start with him in your uh, battle so that you can take him out right away and get the experience <laughs> for him. Well, why are you leveling him if you don't even like him, though? Because I have to level everybody, because everybody has to be at their max. Ah, okay, that, right, right, I understand. That is a dangerous way of thinking. It's sort That's... of like how when I play FF10, I have to max everybody, even though we all know I'm not going to use armor ants at all. Yep. I, I, oh god, I would, I would go insane if I had that mindset going into every RPG, but, uh... Yep, yeah, that's why I, these I, these are really hard for me because I have to finish all of them in a month and I have to somehow try to do everything and max everything right. out. Well, I'm going to try and move slightly towards your end of the spectrum when I play this game because I almost never play RPGs that way. But uh, this time I'll actually try everything instead of just get to the end. And I guess, wait, I guess, I guess your way of playing these games, Josh, is you try and do everything you can except actually beat the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we talked about this in Trails in the Sky. It's it, I can only beat the game if I've done everything else. So yeah, and that's I I, I I that a lot of times happens to me. Um, I get so caught up on doing everything that in a lot of ways in my mind I feel like I've accomplished everything in the game. Um, like that happens I, a lot of times in like Skyrim and Fallout. I've <laughs> done so much of the world that I, I feel complete on the experience, and then there's so many other things I want to play. Yeah. Just to show the difference between me and you, I beat Skyrim without even setting foot into two of the major cities. Yeah. See, I, I, I've done, like, one major quest in Skyrim, and I've done everything else. Yeah, I've done. I, 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 I to this day, don't know what happens after you drop off the letter in Morrowind. Yes, I yeah, do. I, I, but... I beat the game, and I never I never went into the the two in the upper left. Whatever they're, whatever they're called, I forget. Yeah, for, literally for the game, I would turn it on, and I would spin around in a circle, and I would just walk in a direction. <laughs> yep, that's fun. 
All right, I think uh, I think that'll wrap us up for this episode. But uh, we're going to get to uh, what did you guys agree on that we're going to get to for the second episode, so the uh, listeners can follow along. Um, the end of Lake Macalania after you beat after you beat uh, the Wendigo. All right, perfect. Sounds great. Uh, well, as always, we said this last night, but uh, please do review us on iTunes. That gets us further up on the list of you know being able to be potentially downloaded by non-listeners. Introduce your friends to the show, and please do write us emails at retro at rpgfan.com. Um, and definitely follow along. Tell us what you're thinking via email or via the message boards. And uh, we will catch you all very soon in Lake Makalania as we continue on the Sorceress's pilgrimage. Yeah.